Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. My name is Eric Pennington, and with me is Jeff East. Jeff, this is a very special Spirit of EQ podcast episode. So, Eric, what makes it so special? Good question, Jeff. It's our second annual Best of episode. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Yeah. So at our corporate labs in Des Moines, Iowa, we, sorry, I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> You're not going to give away our algorithms, are sorry, you? No, no. Actually, what we did is that we curated, um, it was probably seven or eight of what we consider to be the episodes. We yeah. kind of broke them up and uh-huh. we, we've put them together. It's a compilation. And it's a mix. Um, some of them are the ones that you and I have done together, and then we have some that are with the guests. Mm-hmm. So we really hope you guys out there, the audience will will love them. It'll be maybe a great way to celebrate what we've done with the podcast. We hope you feel that way. And um, obviously, uh, let us know what you think. And if you like that little bit of the podcast, go listen to the whole thing. There you go, because it'll be there. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year. But a noble goal... I think is going to be energized in this time because if you're aware of how it's affecting you, you're going to be aware of how it's affecting other people. So Mm -hmm. what difference can I make out there Um, just by being who I am, just by... Is uh, that you mean in the sense of uh, breeding more empathy? Yeah, more empathy. um, Yeah, being aware of what's going on with people. And the thing about empathy is... Uh, unlike sympathy, empathy empathy usually follows with some kind of an action. An action yeah. that is appropriate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting um, because I wanted to throw that out um, because I know, and it and it may not even be the war. Um, it may not be the pandemic. It, it it could just very well mean that you're experience somebody out there is experiencing just the cards that life deals mm-hmm. without our notice or our permission. Exactly. Um, I almost think the noble goal is like that. Um, it's almost like a form of oxygen um, that keeps you um, focused and and uh, well. If, if, yeah, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it keeps you focused. It keeps you energized. It uh, allows you to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good point too, right? Because. If we don't have a noble goal, how much of a difference are we making? And I know that can be relative. I mean, I'm, I'm not here to judge anybody's intentions or plans, but... You know, I think 
you might be making a difference by accident. Mm. No, I want to, because, you know, you're that kind of a person, but two things with the noble goal is, you know, when I've worked with people, did debriefs, and we talked about noble goal, they'd never heard of the concept, but there's a lot of people that are living a noble goal and don't know what it is. Right. And I guess what I think about in those terms, and you can course correct me here, but is it the difference between I happen to be walking on a busy street in a large city and I encounter someone who is or appears to be homeless and I buy them lunch mm-hmm. and then I go on about my way versus the person who sees that problem and says, that's something that I really want to address and I'm going to start volunteering and I'm going to start and they build this thing to where their sort of their purpose is around helping those who are in that kind of situation. Yeah, they take their concern for other people, which right. buying somebody lunch is meeting a need. Right, I'm glad you said that. It's not saying that uh, that buying of lunch in a one-off situation is not important or not good. We're just talking about, I think, intentionality, right? Right, and it's it's something now becomes something that you're a focus on. Right. And that's when it can turn into a noble goal without you even knowing it because you do volunteer. Right. Maybe you volunteer at a shelter. Right. Uh, maybe you work with the people that run the shelter to do fundraising. Or right, right. It, it's just, but it's now a part of who you are that is a focus of your life. So do you think that you can practice that noble goal in ignorance and it's just as good of as if someone had a written document about they want to help uh, with a certain social problem or whatever. You can be effective without knowing exactly what it is. Right. But what we, or what I, when I'm working with somebody that wants to develop a noble goal, mm-hmm. I tell them it's best if it's one sentence. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, it's it's something that if somebody asks you, you can tell them just like, in, you know, we talk about elevator speeches in the sales world. Yeah. It's your elevator yeah uh definition of what drives you because i think for me the things that i've done by accident um by chance they have value but it they always seem to come without any real um the mark that was left was not one i could trace And I know that a goal, the noble goal is not to per se make me happy or make me feel fulfilled. But I just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I saw this thing, um, it was some advice about, you know, how to, you know, be proactive in taking care of your kidneys. And it listed like, you know, exercise, diet, be well hydrated, those kind of things. And I thought to myself, well, could someone's kidneys be okay if all you did was just watch your diet, but you don't pay attention to the exercise and the water intake or uh, intake? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but probably it's going to be even better if you were paying attention to the exercise and the water intake too, because potentially that cascades into other areas. And I think that's the thing about intentionality, right? Right. Um. My noble goal 
mm-hmm. is to help people find the art in themselves. Yes. And that doesn't mean necessarily that they're at their core they're a great musician or a great artist or an author. Right. I I believe that everyone has something that is a work of art in them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I strive for. It could be when I'm debriefing someone, when we're talking, I, I yeah. want to help them. Uh, I do prison ministry when I'm working with the, the residents at the prison. Yeah. That's part of it. But part of my noble goal is recognizing that in the people I meet. And I know I've used this before, but there's a young man at our Kroger's that has Down syndrome. And I, you know, mm-hmm. Kroger's hires a lot of people with, with disabilities, and I applaud them for that. Right. But my wife and I will, he's a bagger, and he's also the guy that brings the carts in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll wait in a longer line at the grocery store for him to be our bagger because the art in him is he makes everyone around him feel good. Mm. So that's the art that's in that person. And I try to recognize that when I'm with people. What I'm talking about when I say spiritual is I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about who you are. What makes Timmy McCarthy, Eric Pennington, who they are? That's the spiritual, right? The emotional, it's like, what are we doing with our emotions? How do we manage this flow that continues to go through us every single day? And then the intellectual, which I think our society has embraced to the point of... Almost imbalance. It is. Yeah. And that was kind of the point we were making on the episode. It's like we're, we're living as part human beings because those other two... Third human beings. Yeah, third. Yeah, <laughs> third, exactly. Right. And, and don't get me wrong, Timmy, it's not that I'm judging and saying, well, if you don't do this, then you're not this. It's me saying, if you want to live your life a third of who you are, that's your choice. I mean, right. and, and far be it, who am I to say you should do differently? But there's something interesting in the dynamic of engagement, because I've been thinking about, well, you have a person who maybe is well-paid. They have great benefits yep. uh, on and on and on, but yet they're dry what's missing so i want to kind of go down that pathway not necessarily to my pyramid idea but when you look at maybe when you look back what do you think are some of the the reasons why we're in that engagement vacuum or or we have this engagement problem so i actually heard a speaker uh one time and she was wonderful and she uh helped me understand uh that there are really um, there's two things that are out there, um, especially as it comes to um, someone working in and with your organization. Mm-hmm. There are intangible benefits and there are the tangible benefits. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we're out there talking to people and talking to others, mm-hmm. uh, we talk a lot about these intangible benefits of working with us, which if you put that out into the ether, it almost sounds too good to be true. And all of a sudden people start turning off and tuning out because it's like, it's, they, they've got their BS radar up. And so they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Or we go the other way where we talk about nothing, but the tangible benefits, flexible schedules and, uh, paid time off and all these other things that are very tangible. But then they get in the door and the intangible side of things is not, it's, it's not sticky enough. No one, they, they get in and 
nobody notices that they're there. Nobody cares. Nobody asks. Mm. Nobody asks that question around how's life? How are you doing? Is everything okay? Um, or they don't for a while, but then somebody feels and gets stuck and they don't care to notice then either. Um, and it, it's, it's the briefest of moments that happens where someone decides whether or not they're going to stick with you for forever. And if you can catch that moment at the right time mm -hmm. and get other people's uh, radars enough up, not so that they're so vigilant that it's just, you know, oh, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Everybody okay? <laughs> right, okay, right. okay, let's go talk about this. It's more of um, kind of a, frankly, it's a natural instinct that we have. But I think to your point of the uh, imbalance in the pyramid, we spend so much time in the logical space of need uh, that we forget to notice the other the, the points at which other people are imbalanced on those other parts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get it too. Uh, there, there are probably certain leaders or whatever that might say, hey, we're not talking about spiritual stuff. Right. Or emotions. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Because it, it's it's scary, it's concerning. But going back to the tangible, intangible thing. Right. Um, we spend so much time on ping pong tables um, and foosball tables and free lunches, which are all beautiful and amazing yeah. tangible benefits yep. that we forget the substance that that keeps people around, that, yeah. that creates the stickiness of, of an awesome organization. Well, and I know in the work at Spirit of EQ, um, and though I, I've mentioned it before, you know, I, I, I certainly, if I could have had my wish, I wouldn't use a pandemic in order to get sort of eyes to open. Uh, it would not have been my choice. But here we are, and all of the stuff that kind of just kind of attached and attached and it wasn't just a pandemic it was this and this and this right yes. in fact my goal is to is to is to instigate provoke people to understand that they have both the capability and duty to be the leader they were meant to be but that's a choice like everybody's not going to choose that and that's okay by the way like there's no judgment in anything we talk about right so if they don't want to that's fine but most certainly everybody can. Everybody, and my one of the premises I work on is that everybody has what it takes for them to be a leader already inside of them. Yes. Um, I, I guess in some ways um, I was looking, oddly enough, here comes the musical reference, Jeff. So All sorry, right. I, I couldn't get around it. And I'm, I think the audience is probably getting tired of me just saying that they're just kind of expecting it now, I would mm -hmm. imagine. So I see this photograph of one of my favorite drummers, Steve Gadd. Okay, who is a monster of a drummer. He's played for Eric Clapton and fill in the bank. James Taylor, you go through the list, but he's phenomenal. He's gotta be close to he's gotta be close to 70, maybe even a little older. But I looked at him in this photograph. Perry, he looks phenomenal. I mean, he's just he's in shape. He's like, I mean, there's this glow about him. And then I've seen other pictures, some in my family, right? Where it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, and this is no judgment if you're not in shape. I'm not, that's not, not my point here. It's just that I think he must have taken a conscious, intentional view of his health 
to some degree. I mean, obviously, I haven't interviewed him. I don't know exactly what he's done, but it appears. So is that kind of where we're going with this, too? It is a decision? Well, everything is, right? And mm -hmm. leadership requires a great deal of energy. And so, you know, in all of the, in, in some of the other stuff that I do with Vistage groups, we always have at least one speaker a year that comes in to talk about health because right. it's, it's sleep, it's what you eat, it's if you get exercise because you can't pour from an empty cup. And so, you know, when, you're, when your car runs out of gas, you don't will it to keep running, <laughs> right? right? But yet routinely leaders will, you know, not get enough sleep not take care of themselves and just continue to think, well, I have to get this done. I'll just power through the next week. I'll just power through. And ultimately that doesn't work. It's not, uh, I, I use two words for people always when they come up with strategies, sustainable and scalable. Mm. I have to be able to do it over a long period of time and I have to be able to build onto it, right? So whenever we're thinking about something we're gonna do, we should really think about, is this sustainable over time and is it scalable? Is it a solid enough foundation I can build on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's powerful. Um, so when you look at um, the worlds in which you run within, let's keep for now in, in, with relentless leadership, how's the reception to the ideas, the concepts and whatnot been for you? Oh, fantastic. I mean, I've spent the last, well, since since we were together last, I've been, let's see, I've had two companies graduate. So back to the few, right? Yes. Yeah. So I make it, purposefully challenging for people to do it. So it's a 17, it's a 17 month program, right? Part of that is because I, I really did a lot of research around neuroscience and how we learn. And there has to be some spacing involved. Like in my opinion, sending somebody to a one or two day seminar is like lighting paper on lighting your money on fire, right? It's, it's just, you know, the forgetting curve, you're going to yep, this and then you're done, right? You don't yeah. remember anything. Yeah. And so, Part of this is spacing, it's for it's retention. It's really trying to learn something. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons. And the other is I wanted them to commit because we're going, you know, I, I tell people it's like an odyssey, you know, a long, dangerous journey. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're gonna embark on. And at the end of the 17 months is actually the beginning of the odyssey. It's not the end, it's the beginning. Yep. You know, we've just prepped everybody and now they can actually go because it's an individual odyssey. Like you have to now move forward on your own with all of the concepts because everything we talk about too is descriptive, not prescriptive. So nothing I do is telling you how to do anything. Mm -hmm. That's why I call it an intentional exploration because all we're going to do is explore concepts. We're going to talk about what those mean to everybody individually and collectively. So. I've had two companies graduate, uh, two leadership teams, and then I've got currently four in it. In it. Um, mm. And what's awesome about it is it, the groups we have together, it doesn't matter what the reporting structure is or what level people are in an organization because there's nothing we're talking about in there that you can't talk about with somebody that you report to or somebody that reports to you. When you set out to introduce the program, um, did you apply what were the sort of the criteria for determining who you would approach about it as Any, it relates to the business model or uh, anybody the who is interested and <laughs> and i mean no and what i mean by that isn't from a selling standpoint it's i wanted it you know there's an old uh there's an old zen saying when the when the student is ready the teacher appears yes right mm -hmm. and so i'm always I, I think when the concept when the people are ready the concept appears like the solution appears to people when they're primed for it and so I haven't sold this yet. 
Yeah. People, it, people, add, they're like, I'm struggling. Actually, it, it came out of the fact that I'm talking to lots of leaders and they're, they're, they're complaining. They're saying, I'm struggling because I can't get people to understand this or to lead or to, and, and my question back to them was, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean by leadership in your organization? Yeah. And there was no response. It was just kind of a blank stare. It was like, well, it's just what it means. All right. Well, that might be part of the challenge. Yeah. I go back to when you talked about um, when they're in this program that it's something that everybody can talk about mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah. How much of a problem is it to get over the uh, hierarchy or, you know, I'm the boss, you're the employee, so you, you know what I'm saying. No, I, I understand completely. And it's uh, psychological safety. Right, mm-hmm. I have to. I have to have psychological safety in that environment, and that's one of the things I do. The the orientation, if you want to call it the orientation meeting, is everybody has to commit to that. Like that's part of what I I talk to them about. I'm like, you guys have to. You guys have to be okay with this, and you have to. You have to genuinely be okay with it. The process of giving things up has layers or or stages, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between I'm going to give up. Uh, eating um, M&M's versus giving up um, smoking. Mm-hmm. There's different levels and they, and that's for you to decide. You know, some, some are, re- well, maybe it might not be as easy to give up M&M's as it is cigarettes. Yeah, I know. I thought about that as I said <laughs> but, that. I'm thinking, well, you got the sugar content there. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that there might be some things you give up that may require some help and support outside of yourself. Help and support, some discipline, some practice, you know, all right. the things that we've talked about before. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's not easy for most things to give up. So. so just from that perspective, why do you think it's not, why is it so difficult? Because of the importance you might have put on whatever it is you're giving up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned smoking. It could be an actual physical addiction. Addiction, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of different addictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be addicted to people, places, things. You, you know, you name it, you can become addicted to it. Is that coincide in your mind around, as we have talked, to, I think, exhaustively about neural pathways mm-hmm. and how the brain um uh, operates in in this regard, and and I want to clearly create a line between addiction because I think there's some more depth there that relates to how it impacts the brain. Mm-hmm. But in general, when we're talking about maybe the things that aren't so addictive, that there's been this pattern, this neural right. pathway you've created. Yeah, it's 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 what you're used to doing. It's what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It's what you like doing. So it, you know it could right, be all right. those things. Right. But it. It takes some time, I think, to uh, well, let's put it this way. I don't think you should just go out and start giving up things willy nilly. I think you should look at the stuff that that you're thinking about. And, you know, uh, one of our con- uh, competencies is consequential thinking. OK, yeah. what is the benefit of me doing this? Mm-hmm. What is the consequence of me? Not, you know, if I give this up, are there some consequences that maybe aren't? beneficial mm-hmm. so you you know it, i'm not just telling people to you know take a, a list and start marking things off and doing it but to put some thought into it before you attempt to make the change do you believe that um because from that perspective i i have found for me and, and this for our listeners it's very important that i stress this everybody's different 
Exactly. So how it works for me does not necessarily mean it'll work the same for you. So for example, in my case, Jeff, if I endeavor to say, hey, I'm going to stop doing something or I'm going to give something up. Mm -hmm. Typically, I'm in that two week mm -hmm. window kind of person. Exactly. Uh -huh. Right. And I've lived on the planet long enough to know that pattern. So when I go into giving something up, I typically go, okay, well, today is the first. I'm probably going to get to a breakthrough sometime around the 15th, 16th, mm -hmm. where my brain will begin to support the giving up versus the resistance. I know inevitably in that first few days to that first week, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult. We do a lot of bargaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that typically is the time frame. And if there's anything that I think um, our listeners can gain from what I just described is, and I don't know what you think about this, Jeff, but study your own game film, like mm -hmm. kind of evaluate. Well, when you made a change or gave something up, how long did it typically take for you to get into a rhythm of where you were no longer feeling like you needed to have it or you wanted to have it or you, you know, you were going to go left when you were used to going right? Um, I think that that's helped me because now I know that, and even though there's no guarantee, many times or most of the time, I'm that two week person, right? Mm -hmm. I know, and again, I know some people might be three weeks, some people might be a month and a half, two months. It just depends on who and you are. There might be some lucky people that it's one day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some people that high achieving and all, all of the mm -hmm. above. Um, one of the things that I did not learn many, many years ago and it did impact my ability to make the change was I didn't apply self-empathy. Mm, yes. Um, I, 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 have more, I have more of a tendency to go, my gosh, it's been eight days. Come on, come on. What's wrong with you? You mm -hmm. know, geez, it's not that hard. You know, what's, you know, and I would, that self-critic kicked in and then I'm not just fighting to get to my two weeks. I'm also fighting that voice that's telling me I'm screwing up. Mm-hmm. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, um, we're always hardest on ourselves, and yeah, yeah, you you need to have that self empathy because we're human. Yeah, and and Jeff and I, I think you get this right. I mean, this is this wasn't a this is a process of where you, you're doing this dance. The first part of the dance is I'm committed and I'm accountable to myself to do what I know I need to do, mm -hmm. and then there's that other part of the dance that says. You're not going to be perfect through this process. You're not going to get every single thing right. You're going to have times <laughs> where, yeah, maybe you said, I'm not going to do that. And then you you made a mistake and you did. And now you've got to. So I, I think it's important to believe that both of those operate in tension with one another. Yeah. And you, I've got a half formed thought. So maybe you can help me fill it out. All right. You said the dance. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to what tune you call to Ooh. to help you through the dance. And I think those are those things that you're talking about. Uh, um, maybe a, a buddy system. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody like yeah. that can help you stay yeah. in step with the, the tune, just different things. Like I said, it's half foreign thoughts. So maybe yeah. there's something there. Well, I, I will tell you um, that, that that is on mark because um, I, one of the things I can look back in my earlier days that, that I certainly made the mistake of is that I, I did go solo too often. Mm hmm. Um, and, and some of it was rooted in, Hey, I don't want to bother somebody or some, you know, uh, for support or 
Uh, maybe some of it was ego where I thought I don't need help, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that, that was prevalent. But I think now I've learned, uh, I'm r- very quick, uh, especially with my wife to say, I'm, I'm beginning this type of journey and I, I'm going to check in with you and tell me what you think. Um, And and I know uh, in doing that, not just with her, but I've had others, um, it it created a sense of support that I wouldn't have if if I was just trying to go it alone. So first time we tried it was at this campground. We we sat this little stove on a... uh, picnic table wooden picnic table in the middle of the wooden or uh, tender dry forest Mm -hmm. and we were going to use it so we pumped it up and turned it on and put the match there well the the that fuel just came out and just spilled all over everything and caught on fire oh my gosh so we're sitting there going Okay, we're going to be the two guys that burn down the Smoky Mountains. That's the first thought that went through my mind. Right. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We're, you know, in panic mode almost. Right. And there was a little tiny stream that was running right behind our tent. Maybe not even a foot wide. That's all it was because of the drought situation. So I thought, okay, I grabbed our frying pan. (laughs) (laughs) And... Dennis took the spatula we had and he swept it into the frying pan and I was going to take it down and throw it into the little creek and as soon as he did that it just billowed up it, you know, burning the hair off my arm Dennis has got something beating because the tip picnic table is still on fire oh my god so I take two or three steps and it did that billow up so I threw it at the little creek and it, it rolled down the embankment a little bit and stopped on its base and started working perfectly. Like it's supposed to. Our next door tent neighbor just looked at me and said, do you have to do that every time? <laughs> and what else can you say? You know, it's it, it just... We got it all under control. Nothing burned down. There was some scorch marks on the picnic table. I didn't have hair on my right arm. And the the little stove was kind of melted a little bit. We went back and looked at instructions and figured out what we had done wrong. <laughs> and then it was perfect. But do wow. you have to do that every time? That's good. That's funny. I use that story sometimes when I'm talking to people about, you know, being prepared for something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a good illustration of we were not prepared for what we were doing. And I'm uh, still back on the uh, the tent neighbor's comment. That, that's <laughs> that's some good comic timing. I know it was just perfect, and they did it totally deadpan. Yep. Just yep. You have to do that every time. <laughs> oh my. Uh, I I have. You know, we've talked about noble goal before, and I, I have a definite noble goal, but I have what I call my noble task. My noble task every day is to get six people to laugh. Ah, back uh, to the intentionality. And, and intentional. Uh, sometime it might be, hopefully, there's a bunch of people that just laughed about us almost burning down the Smoky Mountains. Uh, but yeah, if you can just do that, if you can, for me, if I can make somebody laugh, that's a win. Yeah. Because I, I, I've... 
I know it now more intellectually, but I've always known the power of, of humor and laughter. And I just hope we can get to the point where we could do that, not in the hurtful way. You know, you talk about some comedians and things. Some of it is just so hurtful I can't listen to it. Yeah. But in a in a, a fun way, a way that uh, uplifts people. I think that is so important if we can get back to more of that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And um, I would just I would just throw out again. I know I've probably worn the word out. Is the idea of intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people are understanding now that waiting for it to just spontaneously happen um, is probably not the wisest pursuit. You know, if you know it's something that's going to benefit you, then you need to move and go forward to make it that way, to make it happen. Um, And, I mean, I just, again, Jeff, I, I look at, you know, the seismic change that has occurred It'll be those who are intentional that um, are going to have a good life despite all this rapid change. Mm -hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, today's episode. We really appreciate you tuning in, and we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Bye-bye. You just made me think about an old Star Trek, several old Star Trek episodes where they would ask a question of a computer and it would just keep doing a loop and still all of a sudden sparks and smoke come out of it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, that's a good word picture. Um, and, and Jeff, I know I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to surprise you in what I'm about ready to say. What is the likelihood that we fix the zoom problem if i stay in the loop of i don't want to deal with it i don't want to deal with it you're never going to fix it right and then i'm also probably going to cause you frustration because you're going to reach out to me and say hey we need to talk about the zoom thing again mm-hmm. how do you want to do this how do you want to do it? i don't want to deal with it so you're going to probably it's going to create a second problem mm-hmm. the third is it's going to do some potential damage to the relationship mm-hmm. exactly so right now we got three And I'm sure if we were really going to brainstorm this, there are others that could come about because I don't want to linger and examine what's behind my fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Okay. You know, there's a a concept that I read in a book, I think I was in high school, so a long time ago, about some of the engineers at NASA. Mm Mm-hmm that were on the Apollo project. And and they had a concept of they had gates they had to get through. And a gate would be, okay, the first gate would be from launch into orbit. Mm -hmm. And then just the things that would happen after that. And every time they would add something, uh, a process or equipment or whatever, those gates would narrow and to make them harder to get through because there's more chance of things going wrong until finally they would sometimes they would get to the point where the gate was closed so you when you start adding these things like you you talked about with us with the zoom mm-hmm. you're getting that gate closer and closer together and harder and harder to get through to get to whatever the next thing is the next yeah. step which is just okay we got to fix zoom so We'll, yeah. you know, do that. So I, I've always looked at that. Whenever you start adding complexity to something, I always have that picture in my mind of, okay, I'm making it harder to get to where I want to be. That gate's getting narrower. Yeah. Because I think um, 
And, and I, I realize that in the age that we live in, it's very, I mean, the other thing that happens when simplicity becomes more rare, mm -hmm. um, reflective, contemplation, whatever you want to, I mean, let me put it to you, put it in a different way. Being contemplative, being reflective also becomes a rarity, which then leads to more than likely you will not linger with that emotion because of maybe the initial feeling that you had, mm -hmm. right? Um, which then creates these issues with the gate. Mm -hmm. And we, and, and I, and I've, I see this in a, in a number of people, there's this unspoken frustration, right? And, and my heart breaks for these people because I go, you're, you're in this, you're in this whirlwind, you know, and, and you, you want to get out of it, but you're not sure how to get out of it. And then you think about, well, if I got out of it, what would I do when I get out of it? And it, it just, it, it just creates so much, um, so much stress. Um, I use this example in a previous episode of one of our partners, Jim Vave, and we were with a group. And one person in the audience had asked, well, what do you do when you've got multiple emotions that are just, it seems like they're swirling around you. They're just, it's like you, you can't keep up and track. And, and Jim used the advice of, um, and I cannot remember the lady's name, but he said, be still. Just be still. And though Jim didn't necessarily go to this place. The thing that really kind of leaped out for me is that that's how you gain perspective. You mm -hmm. remember the, the scene in the matrix, you know, the first one when Neo was being shot mm -hmm. and when he figured out that the bullets was, they were just code, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of that idea. It's kind of like, if you're willing to stop and slow down, you might find out that this swirling is not going to harm you that these things that are coming at you are not going to cause you great harm. I'm not saying that it works that way every single time, mm -hmm. but there's this art and this practice of, well, hold on. Let me just for six seconds, <laughs> right? And I'm by no stretch, I, I don't know the math, how many seconds in a day, <laughs> in our waking day, by just taking that six seconds and kind of going, wait a minute, what is it? What is it saying to me? Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So, reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So, to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. 
cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.